Chapter 6 Concurrent Design Pre Planning and Design Tasks Abstract The designer's attention turns to design at this stage in the WBID model. Essential design tasks move the design and development process from analysis through development. At this point in the WBID model, project plans are developed, tasks assigned to personnel, and tasks such as writing objectives, creating assessments, and establishing timelines occur. Throughout the process, continuous improvement through evaluation and enhancement occurs. Once analyses have been conducted and evaluation plans formulated, attention turns to design and development. Design and development tasks can be completed in tandem, a process known as concurrent design. At this stage of the WBID model, the designer formulates the design plan, writes objectives, and determines instructional and motivational strategies. The process then moves from design planning into prototyping. Formative evaluation is incorporated into concurrent design to refine plans and prototypes as they are created. We divide our discussion of concurrent design stage into three chapters. This chapter focuses on design-related tasks, from pre-planning through clustering objectives. Chapter 7 explores instructional and motivational strategies and introduces a new tool, the WBI Strategy Worksheet. In this chapter, we also discuss factors that affect design. Chapter 8 culminates the discussion by focusing attention on tasks such as storyboarding, flowcharting, and developing and evaluating prototypes. This chapter begins with a description of pre-planning activities, which include identifying design tasks, identifying personnel, and establishing a timeline for design and development procedures. We then discuss writing objectives and types of assessment strategies, as well as how to complete the TOAB with objectives and assessment items. We close with a discussion of how to cluster objectives. Objectives. At the end of this chapter, you should be able to do the following. Explain the process entailed in the concurrent design stage. Explain three main tasks involved in pre-planning. Consider the specific design approach needed for an online instructional project. Identify the concurrent design tasks and activities when using the WBID model. Establish a timeline for online course design. Create objectives appropriate for online instruction. Determine what assessment strategies are appropriate for online instruction. Develop assessments that correspond to identified objectives and outcome levels. Cluster objectives into appropriate groupings and sequences. Introduction up to this point, the instructional designer has established parameters for the web-based learning environment and collected and analyzed data related to the four instructional components of goals, learners, context, and content. Formative and preliminary summative evaluation plans have been developed as well. The concurrent design stage permits the designer to integrate design and development activities with formative evaluation tasks. The focus is first on pre-planning design tasks and then on design activities, such as writing objectives, determining the appropriate type of assessment, and detailing instructional and motivational strategies, all of which affect prototype development. The third focus of this stage is on development tasks, which become increasingly important as design decisions are finalized. The design plan remains flexible to meet any unforeseen challenges that occur or that are found based on formative evaluation results, figure 6.1. Recall that in chapter 2, we described instructional design as an iterative process in that it allowed the online instruction to evolve and change as the stages of the WBID model progressed. The iterative process, similar to rapid prototyping techniques, can best be viewed as linkage of design development and formative evaluation, with activities being conducted simultaneously. Wakefield, Fresiello, Tatnell, and Conover would concur, suggesting that such events occur at the same time or acting in conjunction. The goal in using a concurrent design as well as rapid prototyping approach is to reduce the time to implementation. When using rapid prototyping techniques within a concurrent design strategy, there must be a balance between the quality of the product and the need to design and develop swiftly. 
However, the ability to act swiftly requires that the analysis or needs assessment results provide sufficient data and background information to inform that design and development process. Rapid prototyping involves quickly developing a shell or portion of a final instructional product for review without waiting for final design specifications. There are several ways to incorporate RP and employ concurrent design into the WBID model. Using the classic RP model of foregoing in-depth design specifications and moving into developing iterations of the model serves as one way. The second way to incorporate RP is to design and develop units or lessons within a project iteratively, perhaps employing the strategy of creating a series of microcourses. For example, when online instruction includes several instructional segments, units, lessons, modules, etc., the objectives, assessments, and instructional and motivational strategies for one segment can be designed, developed into prototypic instruction, and then evaluated. As one instructional segment, unit, or lesson moves to prototype development, another is phased in for design. This phasing in of segments occurs until all segments have been designed and prototypes developed. Early feedback, another aspect of rapid prototyping, occurs throughout this process. When applying the WBID model, action on a design procedure or task is not conducted in isolation from the other tasks. Rather, the creation of an instructional strategy, for example, leads to evaluating how that strategy might be implemented in the LMS. The creation of assessment items leads to reviewing the objectives and LTM for congruence. This concurrent set of actions leads to continuous formative evaluation and design and redesign of the online faculty. To guard against a potential endless loop occurring requires that boundaries be established to limit the number of revisions to the online instruction. Planning for contingencies must include a plan that the client will incur additional costs and experience additional time delays after a specified number of revisions or that other resources will be required for the project to be completed on time. Establishing such agreements prior to design minimizes continual changes and lack of forward progress. Likewise, it is important to require routine client approval at designated points throughout complex projects, as well as at the end of the project. A second caution is that concurrent design can lead to too little formative evaluation and, ultimately, to the development of a faulty product. There is a fine line between careful planning and over-analysis of each component in a project. Designers should take care to not spend either too little or too much time on design and evaluation. Experience and skill helps designers negotiate this fine line. Three design team options. The reality of who comprises the team also takes form at this time. For the purposes of this text, three different scenarios are explored as they move through the design process. The lone designer, the instructor as developer, and a design team. The tasks are the same, but who actually performs the tasks will be different. In the first scenario, a lone designer is responsible for completing all of the tasks for the project, but may need to outsource parts to develop based on individual level of expertise. A second scenario would involve an instructor as developer who potentially has access to support systems such as technology help desks or media developers. The instructor has a high degree of autonomy related to content, instructional strategies, and assessment as long as program standards and expectations are met. The client for the loan designer or instructor as developer may be themselves, their employer, such as a company or a university, or someone who has a need for a small-scale instructional product. In the third scenario, a full-fledged design team becomes responsible for a large, complex project. Pre-planning tasks. The concurrent design stage begins with three pre-planning activities, figure 6.2. The first activity is to finalize the design approach for the project so that the second activity, identifying the specific tasks associated with each concurrent design process, can be accomplished. The third activity involves establishing the project timeline. 
Identifying such tasks provides a framework for a project manager or instructional designer to be able to assign personnel to complete those tasks and to keep those tasks on track. Finalizing the design approach. The design approach guides the development of the online instruction. The WBID model subscribes to a practical yet grounded ID approach. With many projects, especially complex ones, it is not possible to complete all of the design activities for the entire project before starting development. Constraints of resources, time, and money, and the desire to be responsive to the customer create an environment where concurrent design becomes the approach of choice. Concurrent design permits unforeseen technical difficulties to be resolved well before the final product is completed. Identifying tasks and team members. The project manager or instructional designer in complex projects usually outlines a specific design and development tasks. Tasks related to design include writing objectives, creating assessments, determining appropriate instructional strategies, and selecting media. Tasks related to development include converting the plans into deliverable products, flowcharts, storyboards, prototypes, instruction, and web pages in the LMS. Table 6.1 provides a list of common analysis and pre-planning tasks and possible team members who could be assigned to complete them. Team members are assigned to tasks based on their skills and the time frame of the project and documented. This task assignment chart could also serve as a stakeholder or client approval form. Designers consider the following questions when pre-planning personnel requirements. Will the designer be able to use the design approach as a guide throughout the entire project? What skills will the tasks require? Who, which role or profession, should become a member of the design team? How will tasks and personnel be allocated? The designer will use these or other questions as guidelines for completing the design document, providing adequate descriptions of the design team members, their expertise or competencies, and the duties or tasks that they will assume in the project. Team members with specialized skills. When working on large, complex projects, there may be a need to add others who have specialized skills which are needed at different times. For example, projects may require special assessment expertise, such as would be provided by a psychometrician. Computer programmers and distance learning technology staff can provide software applications and feature expertise in using an LMS. Technical writers, storytellers, graphic artists, videographers, and quality control staff can support the development of content and the assurance that that content is of high quality. A variety of content subject matter experts and technical staff can fill out the team. Once the tasks and team members for analysis and pre-planning have been identified, the same process is undertaken for the design stage. Major task areas within the design stage include objectives, assessment, the WBI strategy worksheet. Next, the tasks and team members for the development and pre-implementation are identified and include areas of flowcharts and storyboards, interface, experience, and quality control. Gardenscapes. As they begin their design and development of gardenscapes, Elliot and Callie decide that the concurrent design approach facilitates their short design time frame. They begin the design, develop, evaluate cycle immediately on completing their planning tasks. The design team is made up of Elliot as instructional designer, Callie as instructor, and content and technical expert reviewers. Each member has the appropriate skills needed to successfully participate on the team. Carlos Duarte, director of the TLDC, gives his approval for the project, as does Dr. Duda Chauncey, Elliot's IDT advisor. Callie is both the content reviewer and instructor. Dr. Nico Tamora will serve as an additional content reviewer. Elliot will conduct the instructional design reviews. The TLDC staff provides the technical support, primarily through Layla Gunnarsson. In addition, the target audience members will be recruited for end-user reviews. They will most likely be identified from those students who have previously taken Cali's Garden Basics course. Elliot and Cali create a matrix of the tasks, team members, and their duties. Analysis has already occurred.
Project Timelines The final pre-planning activity is completing the project timeline. A timeline helps project managers to sequence tasks, guide team members in completing tasks, and assess whether the project is on time and on budget. The timeline is used to communicate with clients and stakeholders information about the project and is based on the identified tasks and assigned team members. Additionally, the project manager must consider team members other duties beyond this project. Some individuals may be assigned to more than one project simultaneously and other project constraints to establish a realistic timeline. Timelines should be flexible to allow for contingencies. Key deadlines, called project milestones, are included in complex projects. They indicate the deadlines when significant tasks must be completed to keep the project on schedule and to determine if the time frame needs to be adjusted. Milestones are used to gauge the success of the project in terms of being on time and can be used to organize costs and budget. In some projects, attainment of a milestone may elicit a client sign-off and payment. Gantt charts usually illustrate the sequence of project tasks, the estimated or projected time, and the tracking of actual times to complete them. Depending on the life of the project, time periods in a Gantt chart may be displayed in hours, days, months, or years. The chart helps a project manager identify where resources should be deployed and efforts are being made to determine whether they are being used wisely. Such charts may be as simple or complex as the project demands. Gantt charts can be easily created in word processors, spreadsheets, or programs such as Inspiration, Microsoft Visio, or Microsoft Project. Figure 6.3 is a sample Gantt chart for a small project with a quick turnaround time frame. This example includes selected concurrent design tasks, which include formative evaluation activities. Highlighted times indicate the projected time estimations for each task. PERT charts are another way to illustrate the sequence of project tasks and the estimated or projected and actual times to complete them. PERT charts are often used with complex projects. Developing PERT charts require the use of advanced extensive software programs such as Microsoft Project. Our discussion in this text will employ only Gantt charts. Gardenscapes in consultation with Carlos, Elliot creates a draft of the timeline for design and development tasks, along with the evaluation activities that he envisions. He then shares it with Callie, and they estimate the time for completing each task, realizing that they will modify the timing as the project progresses. They leave space to include the actual time expended on each task for later cost analysis and comparison. The entire project has a short design and development schedule so that it can be implemented by the next term. The approved Gantt chart appears here. Essential Design Tasks The foundational parts of the design plan follow the pre-planning activities. Six main tasks are considered essential to design and have been included in the overall pre-planning of the project. The tasks are 1. Write objectives 2. Write assessments 3. Cluster objectives 4. Create the instructional strategies using the WBI Strategy Worksheet 5. Create motivational strategies using the WBI Strategy Worksheet 6. Identify media the first three tasks are discussed in this chapter. We explore the others in Chapter 7. Writing Objectives In the analysis stage, the relationships between and among the instructional content, major steps, and sub-skills were identified and illustrated on a Learning Task Map, LTM. Each task was tagged with an identifying number. These items on the LTM serve as the basis for the instructional objectives. Major states that, quote, an objective is a collection of words and or pictures and diagrams intended to let others know what you intend for your students to achieve. It is related to the intended outcomes rather than processes for achieving those outcomes. It is specific and measurable rather than broad and intangible, and it is concerned with students, not teachers, end quote. Gronlin and Brookhart suggest that instructional objectives should be stated in terms of the intended outcomes of the instruction. 
In this structure, it is clear what types of learner performance are accepted as evidence of performance. Generally speaking, objectives are based on behavioral or cognitive learning principles or written from an objectivist rather than a constructivist perspective. Although goals and objectives appear to be against constructivist philosophy, Janusson provides guidance that alternative assessment can be a way to evaluate learning, especially if goals are owned by the learner. Reisbeck suggests that there are two types of skills that might help frame the purpose of an objective. Process skills, which focus on multi-step interrelated procedures, and outcome skills, which focus on results and the techniques to achieve those results. Objectives are useful when dealing with commonly held standards and goals, or those national standards created by professional organizations or government agencies. For example, in public PK-12 school systems, national, state, or local standards form the frame for specific objectives or essential elements of the curriculum are stated and taught. The purpose of writing objectives is to describe expectations for learner learning. Stating objectives allows learners, parents, and others in the community to understand what is taught over the course of a day, a term, or a year. When developing objectives using one of these theoretical approaches, the designer focuses on the learner. The objective is not about what the instructor will do, but what the learner will be able to do after the instruction or its units or lessons have been completed. An objective identifies skills in addition to facts, concept, principles that are to be learned. Objectives, Learning Outcomes, and the Web Recall that when writing the instructional goal statement, the designer identifies its learning outcome. Likewise, when breaking down the goal, the designer aligns the LTM steps and subskills with coordinating outcome levels. For example, the LTM task item Name the 50 U.S. State Capitals is part of a knowledge dimension in the factual subtype, or an outcome level of verbal information, based on Gagne's categories of learning. Naming the state capitals is a lower-order cognitive task, but such knowledge serves as building blocks for later, higher-order thinking skills. By comparison, for the LTM task to produce a brochure, the appropriate outcome level of analyze, evaluate, or create, depending on the overall requirements. With this latter example, learner input is involved in choosing the type and style of the brochure, as well as its content. Process skills are involved in finding a creative solution for producing an appropriate brochure. The designer writes objectives based on the LTM steps and subskills to be aligned with outcome levels. This activity is not necessarily an easy design task, even with the action verb, that is, performance, already identified in the LTM task items. It takes time and effort to develop well-constructed activities, objectives, that communicate the purposes of the online instruction and emphasize expectations of learner performance. The designer may need to review and modify the LTM steps and skills so that objectives and task items correspond with each other. There are multiple ways of structuring objectives. The ABCD type of objective includes elements of audience, behavior, condition, and degree. Other formats are the five-component objective and the three-component objective, generally attributed to major. The three-component objective is commonly known and used by curriculum developers for PK-12 school environments. Five-component objectives. Gagne advocated the use of a five-component objective in which a learned capacity verb, LCV, which has been associated with a category of learning or outcome level. LCVs are unique in that they are used to indicate the category of learning, not to indicate performance or learner action. Recall that Gagne's categories of learning and LCVs were discussed in Chapter 3. A second action verb indicates learner performance. The other three components are the situation, which describes the condition in which the performance will occur, the object of the action, which describes content or object of the performance, and the tools, constraints, or special conditions that are applied to the performance. A five-component objective does not necessarily contain criteria for determining whether the learner has achieved the objective. 
although the tool, constraint, or special condition may indicate acceptable performance. Examples of five component objectives from various projects can be viewed in Table 6.2. The advantage of writing five component objectives is that they clearly identify the corresponding outcome levels with the LCV. However, the wording or phrasing can be cumbersome or awkward. Three component objectives. The three component objective consists of a condition, a performance, and one or more criteria. Other terms may be used for these components such as situation for condition, behavior for performance, and standards for criteria. Condition. The condition sets the framework for the objective and is the situation in which the learning will occur or be assessed. It may suggest the type of tools required to perform the objective. The condition should identify a situation that is realistic and appropriate for a web-based environment. Performance. The performance component stems from a learning task item and outcome level in the LTM. It is written as an action verb and identifies what the learner is to do or achieve. The performance is measurable and observable or tangible. If mental processes such as calculate and generate are the intended performance, then the learner's response must indicate that the performance has occurred. There are literally hundreds of verbs that show action and can be used to describe performance in a measurable way. Non-measurable words, such as characterized by Smith and Reagan as fuzzy, should not be used. The verbs include appreciate, know, understand, and learn. Refer to Chapter 4 for how to defuzz such verbs. Criteria. The final component of an objective is the criteria, or standards, by which the performance is judged. Without this part of the objective, the learner's level of mastery or performance cannot be clearly determined. Criteria can include the quality of work, time in which the task is completed, number of correct responses, and final product. In Table 6.3, examples of three component objectives and outcome levels from various situations are presented. The three-component objective identifies the standards for judging a learner's performance, but may use action verbs that do not always indicate the outcome level. For instance, in the example on identifying tree leaves, the outcome level is the intellectual skill, concrete concepts, or comprehension. However, the performance or action verb, name, could be used in objectives related to verbal information or knowledge level outcomes. It is important that three component objectives correspond to an identified outcome level to clarify expectations for learning. Writing objectives using the TOAB. No matter which type of objective structure, five, three component, or other, each one must be congruent with the existing learning task items and outcome levels. In addition, the objectives must match the activity performed its content, and its outcome-based intent. Again, the designer may spend a great deal of time and effort to make these elements correspond with each other. The TOAB tool, introduced in Chapter 4, can simplify this work. In Table 6.4, examples of three component objectives that correspond to the learning task items and outcome levels from the TOAB of various situations are presented. Once the objective column of the TOAB is completed, it is reviewed for clarity, accuracy, and congruence. If significant modifications to any parts of the TOAB occur, the designer notes these changes in the design document and explains why they were made. Again, it is important to remember that in the WBID model, design is not linear but iterative, and changes will occur throughout the concurrent design stage. These changes often affect not only future procedures and decisions, but the results and decisions of previous steps as well. Communicating the changes and explaining why they occurred provides clarification to the design team. Gardenscapes. Elliot and Callie structure the objectives for gardenscapes using Gagne's categories of learning. The following is a selection from their TOAB with the three component objectives added. Because they have changed their final instructional goal statement, referred to the discussion in Chapter 4, their TOAB reflects this change in the learning task items and their corresponding outcomes. 
Due to time constraints, Elliot and Callie cross out and correct items on the original draft rather than complete a new one. TOAB for the Gardenscapes course. Note, strikethroughs and changes in wording are based on the revision of the final goal statement. Writing assessment items. Assessment is the process of gathering information, which permits designers and instructors to determine the success of the learner and ultimately the success of the instruction. In addition to the overall learner success, assessment can diagnose or monitor learning progress. Assessments can also provide valuable information about the reliability and validity of the online instruction. Purposes of assessment. Three general purposes for assessing learners include diagnostic, formative, and summative purposes. Diagnostic assessment determines learner readiness to participate in the new instructional activity. It is not used to assign value to learner work, such as assigning grades. Typically, these types of assessments are taken prior to, or at the beginning of, the instruction in the form of a pretest. Pretest results can be used by learner or instructor to determine individual strengths and weaknesses in content or process areas. Formative assessment gauges learner progress towards meeting the instructional goal and is used to provide feedback. Feedback allows learners and instructors to make instructional changes as needed to increase learners' likelihood of mastering the stated goal. This type of assessment usually occurs throughout the instruction until the final assessment. Final or summative assessment permits an instructor to judge the overall quality of learners' work and determine whether learners have achieved the instructional goal. This type of assessment allows assigning value to performance, which can be used for establishing grades. Traditional Assessments Traditional assessment items are familiar to most learners, instructors, and designers. They include multiple choice, short answer, completion, and true-false questions, and extended response. They are considered either objective or subjective items. With traditional assessments, answers are usually scored with an answer key for fixed answer tests or a scoring guide for extended response. With LMS assessment features, learner feedback for fixed answer assessments can be automated, facilitating immediate feedback for learners and providing instructors with grading support. LMSs permit advanced automatic evaluation of word-based responses such as might be found in a fill-in-the-blank or short answer extended response. All results should be reviewed to make sure that the scoring algorithm correctly evaluates learner performance. Alternative assessments. Alternative assessment may be used in a web-based environment. Alternative assessments focus on learner success in ways that are indicative of actual performance. Other terms, such as performance and authentic, are often interchanged with the term alternative. Historically, there has been opposition to the use of authentic because it suggests that other types of tests are not genuine or valid, or the term alternative being identified with learners with disabilities or other limitations. However, the role and use of alternative assessments has become widespread as a useful way to gauge learner performance. Alternative assessments expand the possibilities for determining how learners meet objectives and include case study analysis, performance demonstrations, portfolio creation, and projects and product development, such as papers and journals. Alternative assessments permit the creation and submission of more than one product or type of product by learners. Instructors can create rubrics or checklists to help guide learners and provide evaluative criteria to add definition to the assessment. An LMS can facilitate the use of alternative assessments as course assignments. Learners can submit work, including documents and multimedia products, and other assignments to the instructor via email and LMS features such as Dropboxes, threaded discussions, and document sharing or presentations. The instructors can use the same means to provide feedback to the learner. Assessment quantity and quality. When considering quality and quantity of assessment, the needs of the learners must be met. Assessments must be meaningful and congruent to the learning task and objective. They must be relevant to the learner, instructional content, and outcome. The very nature of online instruction makes assessing learner performance challenging. 
Without the benefit of seeing the learner, there may be a tendency to include more assessments than necessary to confirm that learners have mastered the objectives. For example, instructors may want to assess every learner response, such as grading each posting in a discussion thread, because they are available for review. In addition, learners may expect that everything they submit may be graded as well. In face-to-face -face classrooms where events such as discussions, small group activities, and lectures predominate, learners are not graded on every response or activity. Following this logic, in online instruction, each individual objective and associated activity does not have to be formally assessed to determine overall learner success. Instead, assessments can cover a set of objectives and course topics. Online assessments can mirror face-to-face -face learning environments. It is not necessary to formally score all assessments. It is best to reserve scoring and feedback for those significant assessments, either formative or summative, that let learners demonstrate final performance. Instructors and learners can be easily overwhelmed with the inclusion of excessive assessments. It is important that the designer remember that every time an assessment is required of a learner, the instructor must provide feedback and reinforcement to each participant individually. Two other factors to consider when determining the quantity and quality of assessments are the number of learners enrolled and the type of assessment selected. With large course enrollments, evaluating essays or complex development projects is too time-consuming for a lone instructor. Ensuring that assessments are appropriate in length and level of complexity creates a learning environment that is manageable. In the case of a large course, an objective type of assessment, such as a multiple choice test, can be a feasible alternative. Where alternative assessments are used, teaching or graduate assistants or academic coaches may be employed to help in grading assignments. The designer also must carefully consider the best placement of the assessments within the online instruction. Formal courses tend to use midterms and final exams or final products to assess the value of learner work. Measuring learner performance within the instruction can occur at major steps within the instructional task to ensure that learners are making progress toward the final instructional goal. Assessment Security There are continuing concerns and issues related to the security of the assessment process and overall honesty in learning environments. Cheating of all forms can occur, including plagiarism, stealing someone else's work, and sharing of test questions and answers. Universities and PK-12 schools use conduct policies, proactive training, and monitoring software to combat academic dishonesty. Watson and Soddle suggest that using alternative assessments, such as essays, review of literature, papers, projects, can help diminish the opportunity for learners to share questions and answers that might be found in a traditional assessment. Tools such as anti-plagiarism software, such as iAuthenticate.com and Turnitin.com, can make review of alternative assessments relatively easy. These tools can also serve as awareness and education tools in the assessment process. To reduce security breaches in traditional or alternative assessment, the designer or instructor should address the following questions. How critical is personal performance? Will online learners be required to get a proctor or complete assessments at a host site or other location? What type of assessments, traditional or alternative? formal or informal, will be used? The answers to these questions depend to some degree on the type of online instruction offered. Each situation requires that the designer determine the most appropriate assessment type. For example, when assessment is critical, learners may be required to attend in-person, proctored sessions where identification is mandatory. A less critical assessment might use open book or timed tests. Proctor services can use a webcam along with video conferencing systems, either live feed or recorded, to monitor learner completion of assignments. Different companies use different strategies for monitoring learner behavior, which may include sharing computer desktops, monitors, or using software that disables browsers or chat programs during the assessment. Institutions and companies will have policies related to the security of assessment. Designers should consult those policies as they design the assessment strategy. Completing the TOAB with assessment items. 
The last column on the TOAB allows the designer to insert a sample assessment item or an explanation of how the objective and learner's work or performance will be assessed. The assessment must be aligned with the other instructional elements outlined in the TOAB. The designer may include technological directions to assist the person who will create the final assessment items and tools. Assessment tools can be completed at this time, which may be important when alternative assessments are being used or when rubrics, scoring guides, or checklists are needed to evaluate learner responses. In Table 6.5, sample assessment items that correspond to the sample learning tasks and objectives previously shown are presented. Gardenscapes Callie and Elliot decide to use an alternative assessment for gardenscapes. Because the participants are developing their own garden design plans to evaluate their mastery of the goal, learners will present their own garden design. A series of formative assessments will be incorporated into the course. LMS tools of chats and threaded discussion will be used for feedback and submission. Learners will be encouraged to participate in a series of formative assessments to gauge their progress to reaching the goal. Summative evaluation will occur at the end of the course, when learners submit their garden plan. Depending on the location of the participants, some may actually create their garden, although it will not be a course requirement. Individual assessment security is not an issue because Gardenscapes is a continuing education course and is not required in a degree program or for any type of certification. Elliot and Callie finished the TOAB. The following is a sample of their assessment items. Selected items from the completed TOAB for Gardenscapes. To help learners attain the desired performance and to assess their mastery, Elliot and Callie create a checklist and rubric with scoring descriptors for each final assessment scoring category. Clustering the Objectives The third design task in this part of the concurrent design stage is clustering the objectives. The designer clusters, or groups together, the objectives to prepare for designing the instructional strategies, how the instructional content will be presented and taught. This clustering process is a way to organize the objectives and the culminating instructional content activities into pieces of information. The clusters can be considered to be instructional units within the lesson or course. When organizing the objectives into chunks, consider that Miller found that individuals hold only seven pieces of information, plus or minus two, in working memory at any given time. The size of the chunk depends greatly on the complexity and difficulty of the task or content, the expertise and prior knowledge of the learner, and context factor such time allotted for the online instruction or types of media used, such as text, graphics, or video. Once grouped, the designer organizes the clustered objectives into a logical presentation sequence. One tactic for organizing these clustered objectives is to analyze them from a variety of perspectives. Clusters can be organized based on the following criteria. Common theme, process-related or procedural relationships, such as one objective must occur before another. Strategies appropriate for the content and learners such as addressing new terminology as a beginning chunk of information other than having new terms dispersed throughout the instruction, or vice versa. Clusters can be classified by learning task numbers or by descriptive names. These descriptive names can later become names of the instructional units. Within the cluster, the designer sequences the objectives to promote the most efficient and effective performance. The actual sequence depends on the complexity of the content, relationship among the objectives, and learners' needs and abilities. The designer retains and includes the associated task item numbers for the objectives from the TOAB, which clearly specifies the objectives that are grouped together. Retaining the task numbers is useful during evaluations, and tagged objectives slash test items can be compared to the LTM to pinpoint issues with the organization or sequence of the online instruction. For the design document, the designer identifies how the objectives have been clustered together by a name and or the learning task item numbers to begin developing the instructional strategies. 
In some cases, the designer may need to include an explanation of the changes from the LTM sequencing to the current clustering of the objectives in the design document. For instance, a designer should explain a change based on a decision to cluster all new terminology and their definitions at the beginning of the instruction rather than providing these definitions throughout the instruction. Gardenscapes in the Instructional Content Task Analysis for Gardenscapes, Elliot determines four general topics based on the four main steps identified in the LTM and listed in the TOAB. Using those steps, Elliot then clusters the objectives, which will ultimately evolve into four main lessons. He adds two additional lessons to the online instruction, one for providing an overview slash getting started information, and another for course wrap-up and conclusion. Callie reviews the clustering of objectives and approves. Elliot prefers to name the lessons based on the phrases used in the main steps. Callie wants to add themed, fun names for each lesson. Her reasoning is that she used fun names in her Garden Basics course, and they were well-received by the adult learners. She explains that broadcast and cable TV home improvement programs use catchy titles or ones using plays on words. Although Elliot thinks that the names will be too cute, he defers to Callie's wishes, but makes a note to ask end-users about the titles in the formative evaluation. Elliot uses the six main instructional sections with the identifying objective task numbers. The lessons are titled as follows. 1. Taking stock, getting started. Introduction, overview. 2. How does your garden grow? Objectives 1.0 to 1.5. 3. Getting to the root of the problem. Objectives 2.1 to 2.3. 4. Creating a garden sketch. Eye-catching sites. Objectives 3.0 to 3.9. 4. Weed all about it. Maintenance in your garden. Objectives 4.0 to 4.5. 6. Way to grow as a gardener. Within each unit, Elliot organizes the individual objectives hierarchically, with the lower level subskills leading to the higher level ones. Because the course objectives are procedural, the cluster of objectives is similar to the sequence found in the LTM. Wrapping up. In this chapter, we defined the tasks associated with the concurrent design stage and noted the pre-planning tasks identifying the design approach, identifying the concurrent design tasks and team members, and developing a timeline. We discussed the essential design tasks of writing objectives, writing assessment items and tools, and clustering objectives. Objectives may be written using a five or three component format. With online instruction, traditional assessment tools, such as objective type and subjective type measures, and alternative assessments, projects, papers, presentations, etc., may be used. Throughout the design process, care must be taken to ensure that learning task items, objectives, outcomes, and assessment items are congruent. The TOAB provides a way to keep alignment in place. Chapter 7 continues with tasks in the concurrent design stage as we explore designing the instructional and motivational strategies. In Chapter 8, we focus on the development tasks of the concurrent design stage. Extending your skills. Case Study 1, PK-12 Schools. Megan Bifford has begun the concurrent design stage for the elementary science curriculum. Her design team is comprised of herself and two fifth grade teachers, Ainsley Lambert and Buzz Garrison, and the district science coordinator, Cassie Angus. The teachers who are serving as SMEs will field test the case-based curriculum in their classrooms. Because the internet and web will be used, access to those parts of the lesson will be available only to learners who have an acceptable use policy, AUP, form on file authorizing the learner access to the internet. Ainsley and Buzz will inform parents about the new unit through their weekly class newsletters. Megan will serve as both the designer and evaluator of the project, working closely with her fifth grade SMEs. She has outlined the major tasks that she thinks should be accomplished. Because she is part of a very small team, she will use her SMEs as a resource for ensuring that she aligns the cases to classroom activities. 
The anticipated start date of the instruction is the middle of the next grading period. The first time the instruction will be delivered will be considered the field trial. With input from the teachers, Megan completes the objectives and the assessments in her TOAB. Cassie reviews the objectives and assessments to make sure that they correspond to the essential standards for science education curriculum for fifth grade. Ainsley and Buzz review them to see how they will fit into their curriculum plans. Together, Megan, Ainsley, and Buzz cluster the objectives and check for alignment to the district's curriculum framework. In the TOAB, they identify objectives that they think can be met by the case. They share the TOAB with Cassie for feedback and advice. Case Study 2, Business and Industry Homer Spotswood feels overwhelmed with all the information that has been gathered in the analysis stage. His CEO, Bud Cottrell, would like to see design plans soon. Homer creates a Gantt chart that outlines the timeline for the concurrent design stage and evaluation phases. He uses the tasks that he has earlier identified to create the timeline. At the same time, he identifies the tasks that he will be responsible for and those that the in-house staff in the training department will complete. Homer will have support from an IDT intern, Stacy McGee, who will work with him throughout the project. Greta Dahlman will serve as the SME for the content and work with the in-house trainers as they complete the face-to-face -face component. Homer completes the project timeline. For the TOAB, he asks Stacy to detail the objectives, outcomes, and potential assessments. Being sure to include all the objectives for this course, including those to be delivered in the face-to-face -face experience. To aid development of the WEI portion of the program, he highlights the objectives that will be delivered via the web. It is very important that the two parts of the training support each other. When the draft is finished, he and Stacy meet with Greta, who confirms the validity of the objectives. After clustering the objectives, Homer forwards them to the in-house trainers for the review and action. Case Study 3. Military The E-squared-C-squared development team is comprised of three groups, each with the responsibility to design the content of one of the three major topics. Each group's core includes a senior enlisted instructor, SME, a chief petty officer, and a civilian instructional designer. Graphic artists and animators support the development team. Lieutenants Rex Danielson, Sandra Cole, and Bob Carroll work together to outline a timeline that includes tasks and task assignments to help their teams get started on the web-based instruction project. Several tasks begin immediately. The SME from each team begins collecting instructional resources from current resident and text-based non-resident training courses that cover the selected relevant topics. The instructional designers create draft objectives based on the approved LTM. They develop a TOAB based on the LTM and insert the draft objectives. Working with the SMEs, they brainstorm ways to assess the objectives and create individual assessment items for each objective. Case Study 4 Higher Education Dr. Joe Sean and his teaching assistant Brian use the Advanced Management and Leadership Core Syllabus as a base to finish revising the blended course objectives and assessments. The syllabus is not as extensive as they need for this project. They expand objectives, assessments, and develop specific assessments to meet these increasingly detailed objectives. Once they have finalized the objectives, Brian creates the TOAB to help organize the information. The university is scheduled to go through accreditation soon, and course objectives must be aligned with program, department, college, and university goals. The TOAB will be included in the course documentation. Based on the objectives and the textbook used for the class, he clusters the objectives into 10 groups. He uses the textbook chapter titles as his cluster names. With the objectives completed and the clusters named, Dr. Sean develops a course schedule following the 16-week semester time frame in which he will deliver the class. He modifies his course assignment sheet to include a column where he will identify how the topic will be delivered. He reviews each cluster to see if it is appropriate to deliver via the web. In some cases, he plans on lecturing on a topic and then using the university's LMS for discussion and assessment. For other sessions, the lecture and assignments will be entirely on the web. 
Dr. Sean feels that it is important for the learners to know exactly what the class schedule and organization will be so that any confusion about class attendance is minimized.